You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Portraits, featuring intimate, in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood stars and influencers. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live Portraits, Dario <laughs> Kristen. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. I'm your host, Dario Kristen. Here joining me in the studio today is Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? DJ Jesse J. What's up? And our very special guest today, she was part of the best-selling girl group in the world. She's also a successful artist, mother, entrepreneur, TV personality, and you can catch her on NBC's America's Got Talent. We have Mel B with us today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How you doing? Welcome. Thanks for having me. So <laughs> Lovely. Is, are you ready for the holidays? I am ready for the holidays. But even though, you know, I am British, so we don't celebrate Thanksgiving that much. That's true. But since I'm married to an American and we live in America, we do kind of go full out with oh, the right. Thanksgiving dinner. From every, my, my husband cooks everything. We have a bunch of people over. It's always fun time. And do you bar- participate in that too? Or you like have a special I have dish? To, well, I don't cook that much. <laughs> I mean, because my husband always takes over. He always thinks he, he can do it better, and he can. To be <laughs> so I just let him do it. What's and your favorite Thanksgiving uh, dish. food dish? Well, it has to be the turkey, but yeah. then my husband cooks a mean chicken, salmon, ribs, oh, so oh, lamb. Oh. Oh. So we'll be over oh, tomorrow what time? We'll be all out, I'm telling you. And then the food lasts for about a week. Yeah. Everyone just keeps on, yeah, what eating it, ball. eating it, eating it. And you have four children in the household, correct? Four I girls at four that. Four girls, yeah. yeah. Now, how, what is that like? I mean, that seems like that's some well, I think fun times. I'm, I'm a pretty hands-on mom, so from my two-year-old, my six-year-old, my nine-year-old, my 14-year-old, we're all pretty tight. Very, very tight. And I believe that, you know, to get the, to be the best parent, you have to communicate with your kids. And I am the nosiest parent ever. <laughs> I know, I know all their passwords. There's no locks on their doors. <laughs> I am up in their business like no other. Yeah. And they, they don't seem to mind They're it. Cool. But at least I know what's going on. Well, that's a good thing, especially yeah. nowadays. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, do you spend most of your holidays here in the States, or do you go back to Europe a lot? Well, or? I travel a lot during the year okay. anyway, so I get to go back to Europe and see my parents, and yeah, I just got back from Russia, actually, a couple of days ago. Nice. And before that, I was in Australia. And when do you sleep? To... Well, I think that when you have kids, ask any working mom, <laughs> you don't really get to sleep that much. Yeah. I can live off four and a half hours. Yeah, oh, that's right. fine. Right. I need to I step up my game then. <laughs> you need too many. You need seven. I'm telling you. Yeah, and maybe I need some children in my life or something. <laughs> there you go. Oh, What's it like for your kids living here? Do they, you know, ever want to move out of the country or you know settle well, someplace else? Or? We had two years in Australia and we just came back in January. But I mean, I've been here on and off for 15 years, and my kids are used to being they on tour with Spice Girls. You know, they're, they're kind of used to traveling around a bit. But I think. Now, for my 14-year-old, she just started high school. She's like, okay, wow. mom, there's no more moving around for me. I'm like, okay, I got you. Good. And you, you grew up in Leeds, London, and yeah. you have a pretty multicultural background. Your father yeah. was Nevisian. Is that how you pronounce it? Nevis. Nevis. Right next door to Barbados, but it's actually smaller than Barbados. Okay, and your Nevis. mother's English. And my mom's English white. 
White Rose, yeah. <laughs> White Rose, I like that. Now, were both yeah. cultures kind of celebrated in your household growing up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, growing up, I had my mum's side of the family, which were all white with blonde hair and blue eyes, and then my dad's side of the family that were black, black, black. So I think I did get the best of both worlds, and I did get to celebrate, you know, my rice, peas, and curry on a Sunday mm. night round at grandma's, black grandma's, and then my my traditional Sunday roast around at white grandma's. So I got to kind of experience both. But I think one of the funny things was for me growing up is that whenever I'd go and see my cousins on my mum's side, nobody, I guess their friends in the neighbourhood couldn't understand how we were all related. Yeah. So you had to sit the kids down and go, well, my mum and her mum are sisters, and my mum married a black guy, and her mum married a white guy, hence we're cousins. It was like, oh, okay, the penny dropped. Was that difficult for you growing up, or did you kind of, you know, I know who I am, not really worried about other people? Well, I think any any kid that looks a little bit different has, no, I wouldn't say a hard time, but you just kind of have to figure out where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have to figure out, okay, like, like, like for example, for me, my go-to person was, I was Nina Cherry. She was mixed race. She sung about positive stuff. She had the same hair as me because nobody in my school yeah. had that hair. And so you just kind of have to find your way. And yeah, there's ups and downs and you get chased on from school, getting called names that don't quite make sense. And then you, you just have to kind of come up with it yourself. And right. you, you kind of, my parents let me never navigate that myself. There were never the kind of parents that would go down to the school and say, stop picking on her or leave her alone. They kind of let me go through it in my own way. And I did. And that's mm-hmm. helped you out to move forward to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and then it got to a point where, you know, you, you, in in the UK, you go from middle school straight to high school. And high school is a whole different batch of people. Usually, and the school's usually 10,000 times bigger. So I got to find, like, my little mixed race crew, and I got to find my my black friends and my white friends that weren't kind of seeing colour as such. They just saw me for me. But, I mean, just like any kid, I think, especially nowadays, kids are finding it harder and harder. Not only do they have to deal with race and where they come from and their background, they also have to deal with online bullying and oh, yeah. what size they are and what, you know, it's, it's a whole, diff- it's a whole thing. Yeah. other world. We never really dealt with that when I was younger. I mean, we, we had people that were gay in our school, but they were, weren't really called out or bullied for it. Right, it was yeah. just kind of, it is what it is. Nowadays, it's a whole different world. And yeah, how do you as a parent think about that sort of, you know, you have your Facebook uh, passwords for your kids and things like that. Like your parents sort of sat back and allowed you to work through those issues. Do you feel like you have to be a little bit more involved because of that with your kids? Because well, it's my kids now? don't have Facebook. Okay. <laughs> only my eldest has Twitter and it's monitored. Mm-hmm. And she, she only yeah. has her people that she knows because it's, it's, it's a private one. Okay. But um, I'm very hands-on with my 14-year-old. Why was you know, that important for you? I'm sorry. Because I just think... You know, where in America, you know, she's been on my reality show, my daughters, my yeah. whole my whole entire family has. We're, we're seen out and about, we get pictured with paparazzi, or with paparazzi, by paparazzi. And I just think, you know, at 14, it's a tricky age. You kind yeah. of still want to be part of the gang, but then you have to be careful kind as well. Because my yeah. kids go to public school, they mm-hmm. don't go to private school. Oh, really? So mm-hmm. they mix with regular kids, and that was really important for me, for my kids to have somewhat of a normal school life. Because... They get to go on a jet with me to America's Got Talent. They yeah. get to fly with me to UK to do like a, a launch of our musical. So they get to see all different aspects of life, and I think that's really important. And to protect them also, you don't just want to 
feed your kids to the wolves. You want yeah. to protect them, but still let them feel like they are still a part of social media. And they, she, she can direct message or Twitter her friends in Australia or the UK. Because yeah. mm-hmm. that's what kids do at that age. Mm. Now, if your oldest daughter wanted to get into the business, would you be open to that? Because I've heard a lot you of parents what? who are in the business who are like, eh, I don't want them to do that <laughs> same route. I've never had to have that put in front of me just yet because my 14 year old her whole entire life she's always been into sports okay she just made the basketball team at her school which is kind of semi-pro so she's very much into that now my six-year-old on the other hand (laughs) walks around in dress-up clothes singing songs doing her own performance welcome to my show that one (laughs) i'm gonna have to kind of figure out what's gonna happen there yeah but luckily i've got a few more years yet and how early did you know that you want to be a, a entertainer well, the funny thing is, is my mother sent me to dance class purely because when I was about nine or ten, purely because I had so much energy, she couldn't get me to sleep on a, on a night time. So she'd send me to all these different, we had like a local community so you could go to a free dance class. So she'd send me to all these different classes after school just purely to tire me out. And then I just got the bug. I like literally got the bug. I wanted to do drama. I wanted to be in commercials. I mean, I wanted to do everything entertainment. And it kind of drove my family up the wall a bit. I think my mum took on an extra job so I could um, participate in, like, um, a weekend drama class. Yeah, I did, like, the whole thing. And I was the one pushing my mother. My mum my, my didn't even know what that world she was. She didn't know what that was. Yeah, she was like, I know it's kind of tiring you out because when, when I pick you up from dance class, you go right to bed <laughs> and you do what you're told. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't know in 1993 you had a role in the Coronation Street. Yeah. And now how did that role come to be for you? Just, I mean, just acting and just auditioning and just being active. You know, there was a, back then there was a, back then, I say that like it's 50 years ago. (laughs) Just a little bit back then. There was a newspaper called the Stage Newspaper. And it was like 20 pence, which is what, what is that the equivalent to to cent here? Anyway, it was cheap. It was under a dollar to buy this newspaper. And at at the back of it, they had a list of all these different auditions. And I would make my mother send me out onto, onto these auditions. And so, you, yeah, I got... I, not that you needed an agent. It was like an open, open call. call. Mm. So I would go to these auditions all confident. I think I even went to... Um, and I went to <laughs> one of these auditions, and it was obviously just for a white family. It wasn't Mary Poppins. It was something like that, where <laughs> they were only going to cast white people. And I said to my mum, I am going to this audition. I do not care. I want to get this job. I think my mother tried to explain it to me. I wasn't having any of it because I just had it in me to want to b- perform and audition and just be part of that world. So you were breaking barriers even even as a young kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then when you stepped into the role, I know you took over for another actress. Was that a lot yeah. of pressure to kind of take over for something that someone had already started? No, not really. Because I kind of put my own spin on it too. And Coronation Street is very much like a Leeds kind of soap. It's like a cooler version of days of our lives okay. so you, it's kind of just one of those things that you just it's ongoing ongoing and just sort of even like a little bit of a part in there was like huge to me interesting, oh, interesting. no in, in the stage magazine is also the same magazine that you entered the a call for a girl group yeah which was originally called touch i believe yeah well we got ourselves together because this particular management company wouldn't sign us and they called us touch. I think there was there was only three of us in that. And then we were like, well, if you're not going to sign us, we'll just go off and do our own thing. And we literally went off and did our own thing, got all five of us together, wrote our own music for about a year, kind of worked on our choreography and our look and what our vibe was going to be. 
and then we were like, okay, well then we need to find management now. And I so think we're when, ready. With with the original group, you guys were living in a house together. All us five were living in the house together. That's when we decided we were going to do it for real. Is and that kind of where you guys got in the movie Spice World? The idea of you guys doing this little boot camp kind of a campier well, that version? Well, later. I think we, we all made wish lists of, like, I think Victoria's slogan was, I want to be bigger than Purcell, which is, like, um, Tide. Yeah. So you when you see Tide, you know what it is. You know, it's to do your laundry. It's big. <laughs> it's around the world. That was her concept. Mine was I just want I just want to be out there doing music. Jerry's was she wants to create like a, a, a movement, a theme, and that's when we all kind of were like, well, there's five of us. We're all completely different. We all get along. We're all kind of em- embodying the whole girl power vibe, and so we kind of just launched it all from there. It kind of happened so organically. Really? Yeah. And now uh, Emma came in later. Yeah, she did to the group. How did you guys find her? Well, it was through one of our singing teachers because everybody that we hired weren't paid. It was like, when we get famous, we'll pay you. So our producers, <laughs> our singing teachers, um, the lady that helped us go and buy these secondhand clothes, these are like Adidas T-shirts and stuff, all in different colours. It was, it was like, look, I we promise you when we make it, we'll pay you back. So our singing teacher said, look, I, I teach this girl. She's blonde. I'm sure she'd fit into this group. And we were like, okay, well, <laughs> let's see her then. So she showed up at the train station because we were living just a little bit out of London. We picked her up from the train station with her mum. And then we left her mum there. We were like, well, we want Emma to come and kind of hang out with us at our house. And she just fitted right in. I think that night, me and her cooked beans on toast and just stayed up to like 4 a.m. So just the whole us five clicking it was almost just like it was meant to be but nobody to be honest nobody really believed in us because it was all boy groups yeah. like we were coming yeah, out when were... it was boy boy group mania so no matter what door we knocked on whether it be magazines management anything it was like don't be silly this is not going to work click that's all we got yeah. what was it that kept you, what kept you guys going after it together because with five women that are strong personalities right. have all different ideas about what's going on what do you think it was that brought you guys together we all had stayed? the same goal we all wanted to make it and make a difference and we wanted to do it for all the women out there because we were all kind of somewhat misfits in our own like individual way so to come together and you felt like I, I, I mean all five of us still do just felt like we belonged together there wasn't really a sit-down conversation of, okay, this is the plan. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it all just worked like, you know, like a car machine engine. It all, all the parts just worked together. Well, another high-selling um, group, TLC, has been in the news oh, a lot because of their movie. I don't know if you saw their, their biopic on, on um, VH1. But part of that, they showed that their family wasn't there to negotiate their contracts. You young ladies were there with the five members. Did your was your family really involved in that process in your life? I mean, because you got our some, families. Yes, no, it was all just us five. Just you the guys. The most that our families did because we're all broke. We all had no money. Is they'd send down like tins of food or like <laughs> Emma's mom would come round with some toast in tin foil to make sure that we're all fed. They kind of looked after us on that level. With us five, they weren't. Our parents weren't telling us what to do whatsoever. And if they if they did try and do that, we wouldn't listen anyway. We had our own little like gang our own little clique that didn't involve anybody else apart from us five even when it came to boyfriends or relationships they were all kind of pushed out 
Wow. Really? Yeah. Well, with the, I mean, was there anything? I mean, kind of getting the gears going with between the five of you guys, where it was just trying to figure out the basics of okay, who's going to kind of do the leads on songs? And I know you guys did a lot of writing. Natural. It happened really naturally. Like even in the studio writing, like Emma would come up with the melody, Melanie would come up with words, and we'd kind of all mishmatch it together and end up just singing. And then the, the harmonies would it just it was almost like we didn't have to tell each other, okay, so you take that bit and I take that bit. It was all so easily done. Wow, so easily done, and I think that's why things happen. So, from the outside, it happened so quick, but from the inside, we were together a good year. Like a good year living together and getting, I think we'd row way into our second album during that year. And did you do you feel you guys kind of went the path that you wanted to go visually? Because I know you you left management because you had a different vision for what the group. Well, that wasn't really the group with that management. Okay. That that group was was only three of us, and they weren't really kind of that interested they were because it was something different but they didn't really believe i mean we're, the three of us were begging for contracts and they wouldn't even give us a contract so we were like okay bye then so we went off and did it ourselves and i actually remember we managed to get a hold of simon cowell at the time and we walked into his office with this like on the spot like we would barge into record companies and just do on the spot acapellas and they'd be like uh what's going on but we're the spice girls and you need to know who we are and blah, blah, blah. In, a, in a nice not a, in a a brash way, just in a fun, cheeky way. Yeah. And I remember going into his office, I think it was an unannounced kind of um, meeting, we just barged in there, we sung a cappella to him, and he goes, ladies, it's not going to work. It's really not going to work. And we really? were like, fine, wow. we're going to go find somebody else then. <laughs> we just kind of <laughs> snowballed from there. And then people started talking about us, because we'd find out like where the hippest event was, and we'd all just show just up show like up that, we're here. Like, well, who are you? Oh, you need to know who we are. <laughs> you will do soon. We were very confident in like a cheeky, sassy, fun way. Well, the universe aligned for you guys because in 1996 you had your first single, Wannabe, which was a yeah. huge success. Six million copies sold. Yeah. Now, did you guys have a lot in writing that song together? We wrote everything. You wrote together. everything then. And you yeah. wrote it in 30 minutes. Yeah, from yeah. Right. it was quick. That's crazy. It was really quick. And I heard the label didn't initially want to release that single. Virgin Records, yeah. We had to kind of twist twist their arms a bit. But we knew exactly what we wanted. And luckily back then, the record company that we were, live, we, we were with and the people that we were with listened to us. It wasn't like we were ever told what to say, what to do, where to go. We literally said, OK, well, we want to go to Japan next. We want to go to America. This is what we're going to do for our first, second and third single. Wow. And this is the kind of idea and direction we want our video to go in. We were very much... Hands on, hands on. And literally, when you've got five girls that are very kind of full on, any guy's just going to go, okay, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> and we were workaholics. I remember in two years, we had like two days off. We were working every, every single day. day. Yeah, and so, loving it. So girl power was always something that was important to you to promote that yeah, image. completely, completely. And how did that kind of manifest itself? Well, it's just, I think, just being with each other. Yeah. I can't remember exactly who got that slogan I would like to say it's me but I can't really remember but I just think between the five of us it all just made sense because we were, we were all different We, were, I mean you asked one of us a question and we would all answer it completely different we dressed different and, but somehow we just got on and we still do and where are the nicknames come from for each person that was a teeny bopper magazine that nicknamed us I think the editor was probably um, probably forgot our names <laughs> just said, well, I'll call her that, and I'll call her that, and I'll call her that. And then it just stuck. 
And the, there did come a point where we said to each other, do you actually like your name? I'm like, yeah, I like my name. And we all kind of were like, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind my name either. I mean, I am Baby Spice and I am Ginger Spice. And we just embraced it. And That's being awesome. the, the only woman of color in the band, did you feel like any kind of uh, pressure to promote a certain image no. to the world? I've always been one of those kids, especially growing up, because I come from a quite a small village where interracial um, relationships didn't really happen. Like, oh, wow. I was maybe one out of six mixed-raced girls in my whole entire village. So I knew already that I looked different, and I completely embraced it. I mean, I used to get called pineapple head at school because my afro was so big and I just put it up in a bun and I back come it out even more I didn't care and that's what and that's what I think from listening to Nina Cherry and Tracy Chapman it really just gave me that sense of it's okay to be different yeah I don't need to be like my cousins are already white with blonde hair I know I'm completely different from them and they love me just as much as I love them and my mum and dad were very much kind of together together and it yeah. just I got made to feel not that people went out of their way, but because I looked different, I already knew I was different, so I embraced it. I had no choice. And really. you guys were touring the world, and and you're every, on every magazine, on every screen, Com- on every TV, commercial, every commercial. <laughs> did you, what was the the pressure like on that for you? Like I know you guys were very confident, but did you just you just were ready to handle it no at the beginning? Pressure. I mean, we all came from pretty much working class backgrounds. So we, I, I was used to seeing my dad get up at five, six in the morning and ride his bike to work and do a 10-hour shift. I got brought up, all of us would get brought up in an environment where your parents went to work and they earned money. And so we all had the mentality that we, we need to work for, for, for where we're going and what we've got. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't pressure in that respect. And plus, we didn't care because nobody knew us anyway. You know, when we got our first number one hit in the UK, we just touched down in Japan, and Japan hadn't even heard of us just yet. So it wasn't like we got to celebrate that too much and our heads get too big. We were right back to work in Japan, kind of spreading the word and making people know who we were. And with touring all over the world, we always hear about male group groupies, like the pop bands, the, the girls right. that run after everyone. What was it like for you guys being women? And were there males that were throwing themselves at you on tour and <laughs> throwing their underwear, not panties, I guess, but doing well, things? I don't think so much that. And I, I can only speak for myself. But, like, when two or three of the girls would hop off to bed, I wasn't going to bed. I had my security guard going... Row two, get that one and get that one. And get that one. <laughs> I was the naughty one of the group. Yeah, my my room was popping. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you had like one of the number one albums in the world, number one girl group in the world. Uh, a Rolling Stone journalist compared you guys to uh, the Beatles. I mean, when did Jeez. it hit you? I remember that a Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine guy compared us to heroin. Everyone knows about it, but nobody talks about it. <laughs> like, well, everyone's secret guilty pleasure or was back then. <laughs> well, when did it hit you that you were kind of like get hearing all these comments? I mean, you said you went from country to country to country where no one knew you. So when did it hit you when you were like, oh, we're the Spice Girls? Like, I don't think any of us really it never registered like that. Really? Because we were constantly on to the next thing and constantly... Like when, you know, don't forget, the eye of the storm is very, very calm. So you've got all this chaos happening around you. We only had one manager, Simon Fuller. We had one assistant between all five of us. We had one hair and makeup sometimes. That's if we could have them travel with us, which was more not than yes. So it was just us five. It's like being with your mates kind of 
on like a holiday where you have to work all the time, but it's it's fun work. I don't think at any point we went, fuck yeah. <laughs> I think it was more of, oh wow, so we've just done that. Okay, well, so what's the next thing we need to do? And don't forget, we were doing our own contracts ourselves. We were telling the record company the next song we wanted. We wanted to release. We we were p- picking up beats from this song, sending it to our producer. We were constantly on our hustle and grind, big time. Well, it's interesting you say that because the one thing I've always noticed about the Spice Girls why why was it so important for you guys to use early eight, late eighties, early nineties hip hop beats? Why was that really important for you guys to kind of use that sound and mix it with pop? Well, I think because that's what we all kind of listen to anyway. You know, and Mel C, she's really old school too because her mum was a Tina Turner um, impersonator (laughs) way back in the day and still does it to this day. So Melanie had like that influence like rammed down her throat and she completely embraced it. And I just think between the five of us, we all came from somewhat of a musical background in so many different ways and we listen to different kinds of music also I listened to a lot of reggae growing up uh, even like from Bougie Banton to Maxi Priest I was kind of caught in that world but then my dad would flip it and I'd be listening to Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. all of a sudden my dad would be blaring it out of the house <laughs> like oh okay then um, so I think I think that kind of rawness to mix hip hop with pop and because it had never really been done right. it was either cheeseball pop or complete urban and we wanted to fuse the two we really did, and we kind of got good producers that understood that too, because it was something different. And did it very well. well. <laughs> and, and you all were making so many decisions in the band, as you, as you mentioned, in the group, excuse me. Um, with all those personalities, was it hard to agree upon a lot of things with the decisions no, that you were making? And this, I think because... You know, it'd be so it'd be so much easier for me to say to you, oh my God, it was a nightmare and this, that, and the other. The fact of the matter is, when you've got five girls that are hungry to make a statement, sure. that all have the same goal, that want to travel the world. I've never even been on a plane. I've never even been to a concert. You know, when you get five people that are that hungry and they're going to let nothing step in their way and you all have the same mentality, that you can't mess with that fireball of energy. Yeah. It kind of just goes like that. And there's no jilt. And when one's down, the other one picks it, picks us up. When when somebody wants to reach for that, we all go for it together. Who is like the mama of the group? Like the one who's like kind of took on the motherly roles for everybody? Probably between Jerry and Emma. Jerry and Emma. And who Emma we- used to always make sure everyone was fed and watered because she was a foodie. <laughs> and Jerry would be the one that would sit down with the diary and go, okay, well, this is the schedule for today. And Victoria would be the one like, well, how much money is that going to cost to get from A to B? How much gas do we need? And then Mel C would be like, right, up for rehearsals right now. We need to do our warm-up. Here's everybody's herbal tea. Let's get to the studio. And who are you closest with? And still currently to this day? All of them, to be honest. Mel C probably a little bit more because she's from my neck of the woods. Leeds and Liverpool are not that far apart. So, But then again, you know, I, I I had three Christmases with Jerry. Like, just me and her. Like, wow. on holiday together. Like, we're not going back to my parents. Let's <laughs> go on holiday together. <laughs> and now the, there's always... You are in the news more than anyone that I know, and, and which is a great that. thing. <laughs> and then, like, what what is uh, something that you feel is keeping you kind of, like, grounded with all of that? Do you pay attention to what's in the news, or do you kind of stay away from that? I mean, that? my first story that got broke about me at 17 years old was me sunbathing topless like this, with my nipples <laughs> like this. And it was the local newspaper that my dad used to get. So I oh got hit God. hard. I was like, you know what? 
it can only go uphill from here. <laughs> Everyone's seen everything. My dad and his work friends have seen it all. I remember my dad coming home from work and I was like, oh, God, let me just leave right now. So I was completely humiliated, completely embarrassed. But I thought, you know what? Well, then that's it. you just got to get a tough skin. So yeah. I don't really pay attention and I haven't really done to what the media necessarily say about me. As long as the picture looks half decent, <laughs> don't really care. And unless you know me, know me. Like, if you know me as a person, or if you get to interview me, you see that I have many different layers of me. And, yeah, yeah I get sensitive and emotional, just like any woman does. But I'm a fighter, and I always have been. Yeah. And you can see that as, as like, within your new music video that we've been yeah. watching. How'd that come to be? Like, how did you create well, that and that motion? I had done music in seven years by myself. And so it kind of, you know, when it just goes on and on, you, you get to a point where you go, you know what? If I don't just throw myself into it at some point, I'm probably not going to do it, apart from just with the group. That's if we ever do anything, which which I hope we do. And I was sitting at America's Got Talent, and I was like, you know what? I think I want to I, I wanna do that again. So I got in the studio that night. My, my producer happened to be there with one of my co-writers that I've known for a long time, Gita. We got in the studio, wrote it in three hours. It got mastered the next day. I shot my video three days later on the Desperate Housewives set. I got my friend, friend Martin Weiss to shoot the video. I, and I only gave him a window of nine hours because I believe if you give somebody a start, a middle and an end, then you don't, you're not doing a 12-hour shoot. It rolls on to the next day. Then everybody else gets paid again because I'm doing it all myself. And I was like, okay, done. So now I've got this single, I've got this video, and I was like, well, what do I do now? Well, I don't have a record company, I'm not signed. So I kind of just released it out. And then Perez picked up on it, Tony Hawk and Ellen DeGeneres, and it kind of started a little bit of an underground bubble, which I wanted it that way. Rather than me standing up going, have done music in seven years and <laughs> wait for two weeks, in two weeks I'm going to release this song. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to set myself up. Just let, let it out there. A good song is a good song. And then we, we noticed that you talked about a little bit of reunion possibilities for the Spice Girls, and you guys reuni- reunited at the Olympics in 2012. Is there yeah. something that we may see in the future for fans as well? With well, I think so. I think people seem to forget. You know, the Olympics is a charity-based event. You don't get paid. You know, I mean, you, you pay for your own costumes, you pay for your own hair and makeup, you pay for your transport, you pay for your own flights. So to do to be part of something like that, you have to really genuinely want to do it because it's three weeks out of everybody's diary. Mm-hmm. And we had to rehearse on taxi cabs. So there was a whole insurance issue. Is somebody going to fall? Are we all going <laughs> to die? So we genuinely said to each other, OK, I want to do it. Do you want to do it? Yeah, and we all kind of agreed, and then, then, and then it was like, well, we want to do it big. We want to make an entrance, since we haven't done anything together in a while. Yeah. And we we got together with the director, and we just kind of made it happen. And there's, you know, reports of a little bit of rift between you and Victoria. Is it, it, well, if it's not between me and Victoria, it's between me and Jerry. Yeah. I mean, they always like to pitch one against the other. Yeah. And it's always been like that. I mean, we've been dealing with this for 20 years. One minute... Melanie and Jerry are falling out. Next minute, me and Jerry are falling out. I mean, I think when you've got five girls together that are all very different and, you know, I think people like it. It's, it's an easy story, let's put it that yeah. way. One's not getting on with the other. It's all bullshit. <laughs> and, and when that happened for you guys in the actual group, how was it for, you know, the four of you guys when Jerry left to kind of sit back and kind of look I was like, horrendous when Jerry left. And she left on my birthday. Oh. 
Like, and I, I thought I was pretty close with her where I, like, we could all turn to each other. And, and she talks about this in her autobiography. Her eating disorder got so out of control that she just had to get away. I think she went off to George Michael's house and really just kind of took a rain check. Because like you said, in the beginning there was no pressure. Yeah. But as time goes on, and you've got like number one in 34 different it's countries crazy. and all the eyes are on you, you, if you're not that confident on the inside, and Mel C can, Mel C's spoken about that too, you can quiver a bit. Mm-hmm. Me, I didn't give up. God damn. <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> Get me on a stage again. But for some of the girls, it kind of hit them hard, some some of that pressure. And Jerry, Jerry will be the first one to say, yeah, I, I got caught in a wobbly phase and I just had to take a, a, a rain check. But she came back. We Did, punished her for a little bit, but she came back. What, and whatever happened to the live album that you guys were going to give the I fans? have it. <laughs> but when are, when are we <laughs> we need a copy of that. When did we get it? Because that was a little after Spice World came out that there was talks about that was yeah. going to happen and nothing ever. The thing is as well, we did actually, because we toured for a little bit, and I have all those copies of that performance, and I, I watch it sometimes and I go, damn, I wish we would have re- released that onto DVD or released the, the, the live album version. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a thing that's not completely exonated because mm-hmm. we're all, I mean, we all reminisce about it. And we all we all have all those copies of of everything. So could be in the future. So if you yeah. guys got back together like today, your message in the past has been girl power. What do you think from coming from you directly, what would you want to be putting out there as a message with I think the five it would of you? Still be the same because don't forget we weren't saying you have to be sexy to get what you want. We were saying you have to be inwardly, inwardly confident and let that shine out. We weren't overtly sexual. Mm. We weren't overtly this, that, and the other. It was purely, genuinely like girls. We're here for the girls, and that's it. Boys we like too, but it's all about <laughs> the girls. Yeah. Now you also, it would be the same. After that, after the, the project with the Spice Girls kind of took a hiatus, you released your own solo album, Hot. Yeah. Now, what was it like working with Jimmy Jam, Missy on your single, and, and Cisco? It was a lot of fun. I literally handpicked the people that I'd been listening to over the last couple of years. I said, I want to work with this person, this person, this person. And I called them all direct. Apart from Missy, Missy Elliott called me. And I thought that that was a huge joke. I was like, are you sure you've got the right person? You want to do a song with me? What? And then I went to her studio that, I think it was that week, and Destiny's Child were in, were in the studio recording, and I was such a fan of theirs anyway. And then, yeah, it just kind of, like happened she kind of part wrote the rap and stuff and I was like yeah I'm down with that and I was I think I was four months pregnant at the time wow and she made me do a 72 hour um, 72 (laughs) hour video shoot with a bra and covered in paint (laughs) and bottoms I was like really (laughs) and was it important to you to kind of have a different image of Scary Spice something separate like kind of having something a different identity from what you had in the Spice Girls well I think it was just more of an elaborate yeah. Kind of mm. um, identity and look. And you know being, what I mean? And being pregnant, uh, were you nervous at all going into that? Like, okay, how am I going to juggle this? And when did when you you're kinda... 21 and you're pregnant, you're really <laughs> you, <don't... okay. laughs> you keep it moving. <laughs> and you have such a, a, a great background outside of just music. You were also in Rent. Yeah. And uh, what was that experience like being in theater? I know, obviously, we talked about you have a, a, an extensive um, acting background, but what was it like for you to be well, in theater? Well, I'd done, I'd actually done theater in London. I did, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Vagina Monologues. Yes. Yeah, I did that for six months yes. in theater, which is like sit down, acting, reading monologues. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then when I actually got offered Chicago and Rent, so I went to see both of them. And I said, 
you, you, you can't just give me this job. You have to, you have to actually audition me because for a start, I didn't know if I was that good. <laughs> so I made them put me through a workshop and then it was like decision time. And I said, you know what? I want to do Rent because this character is so messed up. Yeah. She is a prostitute. She's got, um, she's got HIV. She's struggling through all these different emotions. I said, if I want to go out every night, I want to go out with something, some meat. Like, and just, like, give it that 100% performance. And so I, I, I got a contract with them for nine months. And I, I moved to New York with my mum and my then four-year-old, Phoenix. And I just did it. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And you also have done a lot of hosting. Uh, yeah. And what's been your favorite part of, of that particular portion of your life as well? Well, if I'm really honest, I don't enjoy hosting. I enjoy after I've done it. <laughs> I hear you get jitters still. Like, I can't I believe that. I, like, even ho- I just hosted Miss Universe in Russia for an hour beforehand. I'm going, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, I don't <laughs> like this feeling. And I'm used to being with my other four girls. I'm by myself. Like, why? And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, my God, I had so much fun. <laughs> That's after I've done it. So do you feel a little more confident sitting at the judges' table for America's Got Talent? But even that with- is a bit nerve-wracking, too, because it's live TV. Mm. It's kind of, I've got like a double-sided like sword in myself because half of me likes it and half of me hates it but then it comes together and I thoroughly end up enjoying it so I'm kind of like one of those people and which judge do you like working with the most on the show I do like all of them yeah. Howie's just a nutcase and he's all constantly washing his hands and I don't really believe he's got that much of a disorder because I saw him eating some of my pizza the other day and nobody eats somebody else's half-eaten pizza. That's true. Yeah. So I don't believe oh, that. That's true. And I told him that. And, then <laughs> and how did he respond? He was like, well, whatever. And then Heidi I've worked with many times before and she's just great. I mean, she she does what I do. This is when, this is when I fell in love with Heidi. So we're going to all these different interview places and, you know, they always have, like, a little, like, kit of, like, goodies for you, whether yeah. it be candy and this, that, and the other. And I saw her one time just get this bag and just swipe it in her bag. I'm like, you're my kind of mother. It's the brides for the kids, right? She's like, yes. <laughs> She's very down-to-earth and very gorgeous. And then Howard, you know, I did his radio show, like, God, 18, 19 years ago. And he was as crazy then as he is now. I just did his show a couple of weeks ago, too. And he's just, you know, he's very close to the bone. And actually, he's a genuinely nice guy. We go around his house for dinner. And yeah. He, he seems, yeah, he's, he's he gets nice. a bad rap, I think. A lot of people think he's really, really aggressive in person. And he's, he's not. A lot of people but say I he's think, nice. you know, he's, he's famous because of who he is and yeah. how, what his demeanor is and how, like, cut and dry he is and how outrageous he is. Now, there was one uh, contestant that was on the show that it was the taxi driver. Or the, he had the racist taxi driver joke, I believe, and you were <laughs> very upset. What was it about that particular day that you were not I feeling what he was saying? Forget what he was saying. He could have been talking about Chinese people. He could have been talking about this pillow. He just was not funny. <laughs> he was not funny. And then on top of it, the, the racist joke. I mean, I can laugh at, I mean, I, I can laugh at jokes, whether it be racist or not, but be funny. Right. Be funny with it. That was my number one thing, is you're just not funny. Well, that, yeah, it's, it was crazy. It was like that joke was terrible. I don't know. <laughs> and you yeah. got all the backlash. And you got, right, you got all the backlash. I'm used to that. And so, you know, we're, after America's Got Talent, what is something that you haven't done yet, because you've done, done a lot, <laughs> that you would like to get into? There's lots of different things. I'm actually, after this, I'm going to go and do my um, app thing, but I can tell you about that later. I mean... 
Aside from just doing the entertainment side of stuff, I have a water company that I've had for the last five years. I've got like all these different businesses that you probably wouldn't even know that my name's attached to it because I'm seen as a silent partner and investor. Mm -hmm. So I get to do my little thing and I get to kind of create and make things happen in the background also. And I think aside from doing my own music and doing America's Got Talent and all these different things, it's nice just to be able to sit at home with your kids and come up with ideas and actually watch them happen. Mm. You know what I mean? Whether yep. it be a set of headphones for my kids, I can make that happen. And she'll have her own line of headphones. Or I can make just different things. It's nice to be able to attack the world like that. Now, I'm not saying everything that I've done behind the scenes has been successful. Right. But I'm I'm a go-getter and I'm a pusher. And I like, I like it when somebody says, no, you can't do that. Because I'm like, well, yeah, I can. Or I'm going to at least try. That's and you've had such a long career. What one word would you use to define you? Define you. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm thinking like, I can't give you a word. I don't even want to give you a word. No, yeah. like, what word would that be? You've had such a, a, a lovely long career, I'm sure. And hopefully it's going to carry on. I'm not that bloody old yet. <laughs> um, Boss. From I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to be remembered yeah. for? Or well, I don't want to die over. yet. So Whenever hold on. Way, down, way down, down the line. line. Way down the line. Way down the line. Like, what would well, you like people to say first, about you? My first tattoo I got means spirit, heart, and mind. And I hope people would remember me for that. Because I have a crazy mind. I've got a great spirit. And my heart is just on my sleeve constantly. You you know whether I'm in a good, boot, good mood, bad mood, or what. <laughs> just by looking at my face. And now... We sat with you today, but where can your find, find out, find, fans find out more about you? Your website? I your do Twitter. Twitter. I do Instagram. My website. And what's yeah, and your... I do I actually do it all myself. What's your actual Twitter? Uh, at Official Mel B. At Official Mel B. Yeah. Well, well thank you for joining well, us I today. I was going to be really bored, but this has been really good. <laughs> I know we want you to stay. We need like a part two. We need a part two. Right. We, seriously, need, seriously. we, need, we need like 30 more minutes with you today. <laughs> Courtney, where can your fans find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stuart Starlet. Jesse. At DJ Jesse J. And you can find me at Dario Kristen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have the lovely Mel B with us today. Oh, Be sure you. to catch her on NBC's America's Got Talent. <laughs> Check out her new video. I'm loving it. I, you know, the body is just crazy in the video I must throw in there as well. You look absolutely beautiful. And um, be sure to keep watching us. And uh, you're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Dario Kristen, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. If you have questions or comments, tweet us at BHL Online or email us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. For more exclusive content, visit blackhollywoodlive.com. This has been a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.